All right, I am recording. Yeah, I'm too. I'm recording too. <laughs> see little waves. That's important. If you don't see the waves, then you're not <laughs> recording. <laughs> okay, I'm Nicole. And I'm Caitlin. And today we have my brother back. I'm Michael. I'm back. Yay, we didn't scare you off. The dude with the high school degree. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I just want to once again remind you that Michael is in fact working on a master's degree in economics, but apparently he thinks his only qualifications are having a high school degree. I like to be more representative of everybody, okay? Okay. Okay. All right. And this is That's Not How Science Works. I'm not even going to try anymore. (laughs) (laughs) We've tried too many episodes and miserably failed. Oh, I, I know. You worked for Star Labs, but then you were fired, and now you're obsessed with sound. Using sonic waves to break things around town. And you're really good at guessing frequencies. You can teleport, but apparently not when you're stranded in the dark. Because the dark makes teleporting hard. Something, something about how you cannot see That seems plausible to me Plausible to... (sighs) Because... That's not how science works I can't think too much about it or it makes my head hurt That's not how science works I don't know who wrote this nonsense but it wasn't researched This is one of the first that we've been recording since we started actually releasing them into the world. And I think listening to them has actually made me like The Flash more. Or (laughs) having a break from The Flash made me like it more. Or the writing is infinitesimally better. I think it's probably a combination of all of the above. I did a lot of work to try to be better at summarizing. And I'm probably still going to be bad. But here we go. This is episode... 11, The Sound and the Fury. So this is a very Wells-focused episode. Um, We open with Wells guiding Barry through the streets of Central City to capture motorcycle people, blah, blah. The internet tells me that they were from Arrow, but I don't really care. I just care that Wells and Barry have, like, some synergy. We cut to Wells, who's getting a threatening phone call at his sweet crib, and then the glass ceiling, like, literal glass ceiling of his crib... (laughs) shatters caption told me there was a high-pitched noise before the shattering but you couldn't actually hear it or at least i couldn't so you know cut to the cops joe and barry at wells's place investigating and wells is kind of like shifty and being like i wasn't gonna like call you guys to come or whatever then he tells joe that he already knows who did it hartley rich pants whose real last name i can't remember so i'm just gonna call him hartley rich pants (laughs) (laughs) i think it's rathburn (laughs) It's Rathaway. Rathaway. I like rich pants better, though. Go with that. (laughs) So he is a disgruntled former employee and a complete tool. So we go to a flashback of when Hartley actually worked at Star Labs. 
There's a bunch of flashbacks in this episode, but all you really need to know is that he is a total tool. Nobody likes him except Wells. He's the worst kind of toxic 10Xer. There's also this really weird tension in his mentor-mentee relationship with Wells. Like, I don't really know how to interpret that. I will say that, like, you were not the only one who thought that it was sexual tension. <laughs> it's weird, guys. <laughs> <laughs> When I was trying to verify something happened without having to rewatch the whole episode, I found a recap that summarized Hartley as like the fandom inspired love child of Draco Malfoy and Harry Potter. And I really agree with that. <laughs> yes. Yes. After the flashback, we're back at Wells's pad and Barry like speed reconstructs a section of window. Uh, and he determines that it was not shattered by like a projectile or an object. So it must have been like a sound wave. I don't know why he jumps to sound wave. Maybe he doesn't jump to sound wave, but it totally could have been like a high pressure, low pressure situation with a hurricane or something. I don't know. Remember, he uses his magical Barry brain. That's hey? right. That's right. Barry's just really smart. He just doesn't show it very much. <laughs> Although he does have a weakness at one point in this episode where several people are talking in multiple different languages and Barry's like, man, I wish I took a language in high school. <laughs> As if you can achieve fluency simply by taking a language in high school. Now that we know that it's sound, Hartley is attacking his parents' company building skyscraper with sound gloves. Also known as Rich Pants <laughs> Incorporated. <Yes. laughs> um, I'm wondering if his sound gloves count as a sonic punch. It could be, but it's not a supersonic punch. I know. It's very sad. <laughs> Barry, as the Flash, defeats him and he's imprisoned in the particle accelerator that he designed. That could not go wrong at all. There's no there's no way that imprisoning someone in the thing they designed could ever go wrong. Well, they also do the classic thing. They let him bring something in with him because he has some excuse. That <laughs> oh, yeah. Cisco uses something. I'm not sure exactly what the scanner is that he uses, but it shows that Hartley has like metal in his ears. And he's like, you got to remove that. And then Hartley's all like, oh, if I remove that, I'll have such ringing pain in my ears. It'll be unimaginable. So like Cisco lets him go in and there's like a lot of problems with that, but we will address that later. So Hartley had been like making all these threats and like statements about like, oh, once you know Wells' deep, dark secret, you won't be on his side anymore. And Wells is like, oh yeah. So he's right. I have a deep, dark secret. And the deep, dark secret is that Hartley Rich Pants had a predictive model that showed a very tiny chance that the particle accelerator would explode like it did. And I ignored him and pushed for it anyway, even though like I knew about this chance. Anyway, everyone feels really betrayed. So like Caitlin and Cisco leave and then Barry like for once in his life gives amazingly good advice. Yes, I literally have Barry lecturing Wells on trust. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It turns out that Hartley Ridgepants breaks out of the accelerator that he designed and attacks Cisco and Caitlin and Wells and leaves. The way he breaks out is by pulling the metal thing out of his ear and like, apparently it's a bomb. I don't know. It's some sort of sonic device. Wells was in his like secret evil dude lair when the breakout happened and he tries to like run back to his wheelchair because apparently he doesn't just have his wheelchair like there with him in the secret lair. I don't know. I would like to point out that Star Labs has security cameras. What does he think he's doing? I don't know. I'm not sure if he's trying to speedster back to his chair or if he's trying to speedster to like stop Hartley, but his legs like fail him and he can't do it and he kind of falls down. 
inspired kind of by Barry's advice and also like trying to do like a mea culpa because of Hartley's escape, Wells ends up calling a press conference at the police office to apologize to the city and confess that he was warned about an explosion being possible and he ignored the warnings. Hartley contacts Wells to challenge the Flash and the Flash speeds off. They find him, by the way, using small tremors caused by his sonic gloves and that's how Barry finds him. Cisco discovers that the files that Hartley stole from Star Labs were files about Barry, and they surmise that he must have stolen them so he could figure out Barry's resonance. Surprise, it's a trap. As soon as Barry takes off the gloves from Hartley, it triggers this mechanism that causes a sonic attack on Barry specifically. I think it's either using his own communication. I think it's using his own communication. Yeah, and it like plays his own resonance frequency back at him and he's like super messed up. Wells is like, I know what I'll do. So he hacks into satellites or has satellites of his own. It's unclear and uses those to project a signal to all of the satellite radios and all of the cars on the bridge. The signal is one that is the resonance frequency of the gloves, the sonic gloves, so it destroys the gloves. The episode ends with Hartley being locked up by Cisco, and while he's being locked up by Cisco, he's trying to make a deal for release by implying that he has information about Ronnie and the firestorm situation. Also, Joe and Eddie are investigating Wells. Actual detective work! Yeah, for once. B plot of this entire episode that I completely ignored is that Iris is becoming a real newspaper reporter, but only because they want her for her access to the Flash. I'm not even going to comment on that storyline. And then the very, very, very last thing, like Wells has a moment at the end where he's using that tachyon device that he stole when he was the yellow speedster. Reverse Flash. The reverse Flash. It's stupid, but we will use it. (laughs) And the tachyon device, he's like, this is only a temporary fix. His speed force is not as constant as Barry's speed force. It's not as pure or something. I don't know. He and the speed force are in a complicated relationship Uh, right now. Well, Caitlin, you did better. I tried really hard. I know. (laughs) There was a lot to cover in this episode, too. There are a lot of science things. I think that's what makes summarizing these hard sometimes is because Like, we have to hit all the science points that we're going to talk about. And there's a lot in this episode. I was going to gloss over the metal implants in his head. But then, of course, if I gloss over that, I can't talk about it. And all of my talking points are about that. So good job for reminding me, Michael. Michael, what are your talking points? Resonance? Resonance is the big one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You and me, bud. All right. Caitlin, why don't you talk about implants? And then Michael and I will just rip this resonance apart yes so the subtitle of my notes is hearing loss cochlear implants and tinnitus so what we know about rich pants hartley rich pants is that somehow during the explosion of the accelerator which i'm now slightly confused because did he warn wells like immediately before the accelerator was turned on and then he got fired but he didn't actually leave the building before everything exploded I don't know. The other possibility is he was just creeping around Star Labs because that seems like something Hartley would do. (laughs) That is actually something Hartley would do. All we know is that in that explosion, something happened that damaged his hearing. And as a result, the Flash is implying, and they straight up tell us in the next episode, that he had cochlear implants installed. This is wrong on so many levels. Firstly, the only thing he directly complains about is saying that he has like really, really painful ringing in his ears, which sounds kind of like really bad tinnitus. 
And tinnitus is not something that you treat with cochlear implants. Secondly, cochlear implants, in order for them to work, your cochlea has to remain intact. So if his hearing loss was caused by like trauma to his head that actually damaged his ears, his cochlea would still have to be intact in order for cochlear implants to work. Thirdly, and most importantly, Cochlear implants require surgery. They are implanted under your head against your skull. They actually have to carve out a piece of your skull in order for them to fit. So they can't be removed in the way that he supposedly removes it here. Uh, also, a cochlear implant requires you to have an outside device. So cochlear implants are actually really cool. I'm going to put a ton of information about them in our show notes. I'll send that to you, Nicole. They're kind of controversial among the deaf community because they are a like, cure to something that is by the capital D deaf community not considered to be a disability, but that's a whole other subject. They basically, instead of your cochlea like receiving the sound waves the way it normally does and then your brain processing them, what happens is there's an inside electrode that's implanted in your skull and your cochlea, and that transmits electrical signals directly to the nerves in your cochlea. And then on the outside, there's a little like microphone that captures sound and then translates it into the electrical signals that then get sent through your cochlea. You have to have the outside part in order to be able to use your cochlear implant. Like it doesn't work without it. And in fact, when you get them implanted, they don't actually give you the outside part for three to six weeks because you're like healing. You can't actually have the effect of it until you're healed up and then they give it to you, which is relevant to the next episode. Also, you can, it's like a very visible implant. Like you can see when people have cochlear implants, it's like a little, it's like a magnet that sticks to their head and then there's a little hook on their ear. Hartley does not have that at all in this episode. Cisco has to like scan him with something to like figure out what is going on. And then he's like, oh, there's metal. And I think he says that it's in both of his ears, which is fairly unusual because they usually only implant one of your ears, although it's not completely unheard of. Oh, and two of the big side effects of cochlear implants is that sometimes it can cause tinnitus. So you would never use a cochlear implant to treat tinnitus because it can cause tinnitus. Like it just doesn't make sense. And secondly, if you had reduced hearing, and so they were giving you a cochlear implant, but you still had a little bit of hearing, it can kill any of that residual hearing you had. He has supposedly a cochlear implant, and the thing he pulls out does kind of look like what the inside part, the implanted part looks like, but nothing about his actual presentation indicates that he has a cochlear implant. He doesn't have the outside part of it, so he wouldn't be able to hear anything. His symptoms don't sound like what they would be. If he lost his hearing due to trauma, his cochlea might not even be intact anymore. Like it just doesn't make sense on any level. When he actually like rips it out, I just cannot fathom how you could rip your cochlear implant out and still like (laughs) walk away as a functioning person and apparently able to hear. (laughs) (laughs) it's just profoundly disturbing part of me is like well maybe he didn't really need a cochlear implant but he had to fake that he needed a cochlear implant so he could have this thing because it was part of his grand scheme to break out because it clearly is used as a bomb well the problem with that is if you had had it implanted there's all these like risks to having a cochlear implant it's not completely risk-free it's right up against your ear it can damage your nerve it can cause facial paralysis it can cause you to lose all the rest of your hearing it is like really deeply implanted you can't just rip it out and if you do just rip it out or if for some reason it has to be removed like it stops functioning and you have to remove it if you get a new one it's not guaranteed to work as well as the first one did 
And in fact, cochlear implants in general, they vary widely in how they work on people. And he would be a fairly good candidate because he was an adult who had previously had hearing and then lost it as an adult. So he would know like what sound sounds like. But I wouldn't sacrifice my good hearing for an evil plot to blow myself out of Star Labs. And in the next episode, he comes back. And he apparently has like perfectly fine hearing, even though like he never had his implant replaced. And even if he had it replaced, it probably wouldn't work. And it would take like three to six weeks for the it to heal. And like, I, it just doesn't make any sense. I just have a couple things I'd like to add. The first is if you want to see a cochlear implant actually presented in media, uh, you should watch the movie A Quiet Place. The oldest daughter in that movie has a cochlear implant and it's used correctly. And it's an important part of the movie. And also, I just highly recommend the movie in general. It was deeply moving. I like cried during it. And I don't even watch horror movies because they're usually too scary for me. And that movie shows that if the outside part of the cochlear implant is not working, it does not work. <laughs> right. That is an important part of the movie. Uh, another thing is I sort of have tinnitus. Really, there's not a lot that you can do about it. You can pretty much just have white noise. I don't have it severely, but yeah, I know I have it too. So yeah. yeah, I know what it's like. You just Yeah. The other thing I'd say is that, you know, a lot of the big thing of tinnitus is just how irritating it is for you. In terms of tinnitus in media, I haven't seen the movie, so I can't vouch for how accurate it is, but I'm pretty sure the reason that in the movie Baby Driver, the driver named Baby always listens to rad tunes apart from, you know, selling soundtracks is because he has tinnitus. I can definitely see how people who have severe tinnitus, it can be incredibly destructive for them. Even when I am in just like a really quiet room and I can just hear it in my ears all the time, it's incredibly annoying. I have a lot of sympathy for Mr. Rich Pants. I do. And if he really does have tinnitus, I'm sorry, man, but cochlear implants is not the way to do it. You can actually get a hearing aid, though. That can sometimes help. A different device that goes in your ear but does not require actual surgery. Or maybe just invest in some really good apps that give you some really good white noise sounds. Maybe that will calm you down enough that you no longer have urges to be a supervillain. <laughs> I have a few things before Michael and I jump into resonance. What is it and what can it actually do and break? <laughs> One of my first things is that, uh, as Caitlin mentioned, Iris got her job as a reporter in this episode. I really love it because Iris goes to visit Joe and Barry. And then Joe goes, Iris, some guy left his number for you. It's in the kitchen. And so she goes and like five seconds later, she comes out going, I got a job. I'm like, wow, that was really fast. So I found that amusing. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering the same thing. I'm like, oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> um, I will comment. Sorry, that is unrelated to Iris and her job. Again, in terms of Caitlin, who I do love and I love her in this episode, but Girl, what kind of doctor are you? Because it's a mystery. It's one of the mysteries of the ages. I mean, it's possible she's some kind of specialist who wouldn't necessarily know. But the fact that Hartley is able to like trick them into letting him keep his not a cochlear implant. And then also this episode, it finally struck me like, how does anyone believe that Wells is completely wheelchair bound, but his like legs are still strong and healthy? Maybe there's super great PT that he's doing. 
And there are some wheelchair users who use wheelchair wheelchairs sometimes and not all of the time because of various things. But I get the impression that in this show, Wells is pretending to always be in his wheelchair. You know what? My guess is that Wells claims to have a device that stimulates his muscles because he's vain enough that he doesn't want to have, you know, atrophied legs. And Caitlin's just like, fine. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> in one of the flashbacks it shows cisco coming to star labs on his first day on the job and hartley makes fun of him for wearing a star wars t-shirt on his first day at work and i'm thinking hartley you do realize you work at tech he wore that shirt with a blazer he is dressing up my friend you are in the wrong industry if you want people to wear suits at work but actual scienceness in in one of these flashbacks Hartley is, Cisco. I don't think you're qualified for this job, and starts asking him questions. His first question is, magnetic flux is measured by what? And of course, without a beat, Cisco goes, the Hall effect pickup. And I just want to point out that this is a dumb question because Hall sensors measure magnetic flux. Like, this is not testing your knowledge. This is testing, do you know what, literally what kind of sensor measures magnetic flux. Magnetic flux, for those of you who did not take any circuits out there, basically when you have a conductive material and you apply a current to that material while it's in a magnetic field, the charge on that piece of conductive material will tend to migrate to the side. So one side will be positively charged, one side will be negatively charged, and that creates magnetic flux. And the Hall effect measures the difference in, I think it's in voltage between the two sides. Very basic principle of electrical engineering the next question is honestly even dumber he goes what is the dual of a parallel rc circuit and again cisco without missing a beat goes that would be a series rc circuit and i just this is like circuits 101 this is like your your sophomore circuits class that i took as a biomedical engineer i would like to say in defense of the writers here which i never thought i would do the average layperson does not necessarily know how big I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> a RC circuit is a very basic circuit that has a power source, a resistor, and a capacitor. What you do when you take a dual of a circuit is you switch up voltage and current. So in a series RC circuit, you have a same current among the whole circuit for reasons that I will not get into now because then I would just be lecturing on circuits. And on a parallel one, you have the same voltage. This is just an incredibly basic, basic level of electrical engineering. And I want to point out that despite this being a basic electrical engineering concept that Cisco would probably know, Cisco has been introduced to Hartley as a mechanical freaking engineer. Why is Hartley asking him questions about circuits? What are you trying to do, Hartley? There's no advantage here. Either you look like a jerk for asking him questions about his not expertise level, or you look like an idiot for asking him about things that Cisco did not go to school to study. It just goes to show even more that Hartley has like a weird fixation on Wells. He's obsessed with being Wells' favorite, and he's jealous of anyone who could be Wells' favorite. When Cisco starts, he's jealous of Cisco, and he has to prove that he's better. And then later, he's try he targets Barry because he's like, oh, you're the favorite now, but you won't be for long. Like, I don't he's just, yeah. like, a, I know. He's just he's like a weird, <laughs> jealous ex-guy. Okay, this is the other thing I want to say. So 
The whole thing with Hartley is that he's working for Star Labs and not for Rich Pants Incorporated because he's gay and his parents were not okay with that. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that storyline. In fact, I think that's interesting. He's the first like openly gay character yeah. we have met on The Flash. What I don't like is they make him like weird gay. And what I mean by weird gay is like like at one point Barry takes Hartley into Star Labs and he's wearing his Flash suit and Hartley goes, "It's always been a dream of mine to be escorted in handcuffs by a man clad in leather." And I'm like, "Just just please stop, Hartley. Stop. Be a normal person. Well, I think it's particularly weird because it's like his characterization is really hard to pin down. It's flirty. Well, he's like, he's like weirdly flirty all the time. There's a lot of situations in which he's not really flirty. Like he'll flirt with Barry by joking about that. But then he'll also like passive aggressively like he's a jealous ex. You won't be the favorite all the time. Someday Wells will turn on you too or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I just wish he had consistent characterization. Maybe this is too much of a stereotype. So actual gay community feedback required. But it would be kind of cool if there was like a flamboyant, very comic booky gay supervillain. But he's supposed to be more like Captain Cold. Like Hartley to me is, ooh, is Hartley going to date Captain Cold? I will say that apparently an alternate universe version of Captain Cold is gay and in a relationship with Ray, who is a character from It the should era. be Hartley. If things don't work out between the two of them, gay Captain Cold can date Hartley. That's my... That's my. <laughs> that's your OTP? <laughs> I'm just going to say this right now. I'm not allowed to set people up because how I set people up is one of them being... Well, you guys both have this thing in common and therefore you must, you must be a great idea. So to me, Hartley and Captain Cold are both overthinkers. They're both meticulous planners and they have a similar way of approaching their evil. And so I feel like that would be great in a relationship. In actuality, it would probably be terrible in a relationship. <laughs> but I want to see this. <laughs> so... All right, let's talk about resonance frequency, my friends. And before you get all the freight, don't worry. If you go outside and, you know, the wind starts blowing at your resonance frequency, you'll be fine. You don't have to worry. <laughs> well, you're going you're gonna to go into a pile of mush. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. <laughs> Can any audiophiles listening who actually know things about, like, speakers and stuff, let me know how realistic it is for a tiny compact speaker in, like, a glove to be able to sound that well okay so so a couple things a couple things michael feel free to chime in as you want the idea that things have resonance frequencies is true things do have natural frequencies at which they vibrate there are a lot of reasons for that i'm not going to get into them it's too complicated you can see this the most when you have crystal glass like if you wet the edge of the glass and you you know rub it around the rim, it will make a noise. And that is the natural frequency of that glass. And you can break things like glass by making that natural frequency. And what will happen is that the glass will start vibrating. And if you make it loud enough, uh, it will basically start vibrating enough that it shatters. But this works for things like glass because glass is brittle. Glass is a pretty good vibrator. People are not good vibrators. Uh, so that's one thing. So <laughs> I didn't say people don't use vibrators, Caitlin. I said people aren't good vibrators. Get your mind out of the gutter, woman. 
<laughs> You're just going to have to cut like four minutes of me laughing. <laughs> so there's a couple things about this. Like I said before, glass is brittle, so it vibrates. Kaylin, I'm just going to have to mute you, man. <laughs> Glass is brittle, so it vibrates. And what happens when glass vibrates so much that it shatters is most things will vibrate at least a little bit in what is called a linear fashion. So that means that it basically recovers the energy that it has vibrated to. It will recover its original position. But once you vibrate enough, it's going to either deform or break. And so in the the case of glass, particularly crystal where it's, it's formed really well, it will break. But people are just going to absorb that energy. People are going to experience uh, what would be called dampening, or, or d- I think damping is probably the right, technically the right term. And so we are going to just absorb that energy because we're squishy. So think about it this way. If you have a bowl of mashed potatoes and a bowl of jello, jello, if you jiggle it, it's going to vibrate back and forth. The jello recovers that energy when you vibrate it back and forth. If you jiggle a bowl of mashed potatoes, it might squish around a bit, but it's going to absorb that energy and just kind of sploosh over. We are mashed potatoes. Crystal glassware is like jello. Don't worry about it. It's not like you're going to be, you know, studying music one day and someone's going to hit a, I mean, a, a tuning fork and it's going to be your natural frequency and you're just going to be in incredible pain on the ground and you're just going to be turning into a pile of mush. You're fine. You don't have to worry about that. You've got that damping effect going on in your body. Michael, Jeff, more you want to add? No, that was pretty much it. It's just, you can't just shoot a sonic boom at glass and expect it to collapse. Well, it's, it's not just the fact that it's a sonic boom. It's that, like, that sonic boom can do all kinds of stuff other than just shatter stuff. They pick up a car with it at one point. <laughs> for one, it's not necessarily easy to find the resonance frequency mm. for something. For something like a glass, it's pretty easy because you can kind of hit it and it'll vibrate at that resonance frequency. But Hartley just seems to be a pro at just looking at something going, I know it's resonance frequency, dialing his little gloves (laughs) to that resonance frequency and making it shatter. The other thing is that in order for something to break at its resonance frequency, you have to emit a loud, clear tone of that frequency. And his gloves do not do that. Like, his gloves would sound like a tuning fork if they were emitting a pure frequency. And they just kind of sound like... <laughs> he's not He's not doing it properly. He's not doing it loud enough. He's not actually doing a pure frequency. I don't know how he knows these frequencies. It really just sounds like what he's doing is taking loud sound waves and using it to break things, which you can do, but that's not resonance. That's just using the pure energy of sound waves. Just shoot it at glass and it breaks. What's even better too is it's like, obviously like you're going to have a little bit of a difference because I'm assuming these, each of those glasses are made a little bit differently. Right. Absolutely. It's just, it's so bad. It's like when he's shooting glass at the building and like whole pieces of the building just fall off (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Where it's like, it would take like a little bit of time and there's no way you could do it on that level with that much glass with just one. And that's on the lowest setting of his. That does not control for all the other factors like wind or anything. (laughs) Honestly, this whole like resonance frequency breaking things comes up in almost every sci-fi show I've ever seen. And every time it comes up, I'm just like, no. Now, 
granted, you can have things that are not glasses breaking. You can even have more complicated things. So a great example that a lot of engineers learn about is the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. So the Tacoma Narrows Bridge was a suspension bridge that had a resonance frequency. What would happen is sometimes when the wind was blowing, the bridge would basically start waving up and down. Like people would think it was hilarious. They drive their cars on it. It would just kind of go, ooh, roller coaster. Uh, as you might imagine, that was not safe. One day, the wind started blowing at just the right resonance frequency for the bridge, and the bridge literally shook itself apart. Now, I don't think anyone was hurt because I want to say it was at like five in the morning or something, but the bridge literally broke. And like people today have to build suspension bridges so that they do not have this kind of resonance frequency issue. People are very complicated and squishy. I just want to emphasize once again, you are mashed potatoes. You're going to be fine. After the Tacoma Narrows Bridge incident, every single person who trains in engineering, designing and building, so every civil engineer and many mechanical engineers learn how to not cause that again. Yes. So it's like modern skyscrapers would not be the Tacoma Narrows Bridge. No, absolutely. That's a really good point. This whole thing is just it, ridiculously silly. It, what I really don't understand is that Hartley's plan seemed really unnecessarily complicated. I'm going to have these gloves and this idiotic suit. Honestly, his super villain costume looks like a bad Sith costume that he got on clearance at Target after Halloween one year. And he's like, I'm going to wear my clearance Target costume and I'm going to get these gloves, but I'm just going to put it on low frequency and then I'm going to get caught by Star Labs, but I'm going to have this implant in my ear. I'm going to use it to break out. I'm going to get special info on the Flash from Star Labs because I still am able to log into their <laughs> systems. They never thought to shut me out. <laughs> And then I'm going to use that to find Barry's resonance frequency because although I can usually look at buildings and know their resonance frequency, I'm having a hard time just looking at him and figuring out his resonance frequency. And then I'm going to lay this trap. I'm going to have his resonance frequency. You know what Hartley could have done? Real simple. He goes to Star Labs. He cons his way in because he used to work there. You know, says some bogus crap about, oh, I know stuff about Ronnie. Do you want to, like, let me in your lab for a while? When nobody's looking, he steals the same information and gets to the same ending without having to implant some crap in his ear. <laughs> That's not an option, Nicole. <laughs> I mean, there were a lot of options. He could just, I mean, look, clearly he could do stuff to Barry. Why couldn't he have just killed him with that? I don't know. Why couldn't he have just set a bomb up that was big enough that Barry could have gone away from it? I don't know. <laughs> Why is he so smart to figure out that the Flash is associated with the Star Labs crew, is he not smart enough to also figure out that Barry is conveniently friends with the whole Star Labs crew? <laughs> and has a jawline that's suspiciously like the Flash's. <laughs> Why is he so obsessed with using resonance? He's clearly a smart person. He's got, he should have all kinds of things. <laughs> I know, man. So, I know. I totally agree. I was going to say that allegedly the character that this person is based on was like an angry deaf violinist. So maybe that's why he's <laughs> obsessed with resonance frequency. Well, that would make sort of sense. It's just for Hartley, Michael's right. He's a smart guy. He had a lot of options at his disposal. He didn't have to implant crap in his ears. He could have figured out another way in the lab. I have a few more things I just want to say, and then I think we should move on. For one, when Hartley gets all of his stuff on Barry, they show him getting it while everyone has left Star Labs and are at a press conference. He was just hanging out in the lab the whole time and nobody found him. 
<laughs> like for hours just hanging out in the lab. I thought that was amusing. The other thing is at the press conference, Wells says that he failed this city. And in my notes, I have Harrison Wells. You have failed this city in all capital letters, which is a reference to Arrow. <laughs> All right, I'm done. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I have one more thing. There is no reason to lock Hartley up in the secret jail because he does not have metahuman powers. They should process him in the normal system like a normal person. They are depriving him of his human rights. The end. Because what happens is the Flash catches him and then he immediately is like, I can hear that you're talking to Caitlin and Cisco and Wells. And I think Barry freaks out about like the danger of his secret identity. And so he hauls him to Star Labs. I would just like to say, though, that if they didn't deprive him of his human rights, he would never have broken into Star Labs and they would have never had this problem because they would have just sent him to normal person jail. <laughs> Nicole, oh, yeah. there are a lot of problems oh, yeah. <laughs> with the stuff they do, all right? I mean, frankly, you think they could, like, work with the police to just make a system where, all right, we're going to hold them together in this lab. You're going to check up on it periodically and make sure no human rights abuses are going on or something. And to be frank, is sitting there basically in a constant state of solitary confinement, which is extremely yeah, sketchy. I agree. <laughs> Metahumans are humans too, and solitary confinement is very bad. I have even more problem with Hartley, who did not actually kill anyone. Yeah, Hartley's sketchy, but he specifically knew whenever he was threatening anyone that the Flash was going to save them. Hartley does not have psychotic powers that we'd require him to be locked up. He's not like Mr. Gas Cloud, who was literally going around the city murdering people as a cloud of <laughs> gas. And I would argue, yeah, okay, in his case, it might be justified because there is literally no other prison cell that could hold him. And he will murder people. Are we ready to talk about episode 12? Yeah. Yeah. Good. The episode opens with the metahuman of, of the week, who we quickly realize can teleport. And so she uses her teleportation powers to break her boyfriend out of prison. It's the same prison that Barry's dad is in. Yes, it's the same prison that Barry's dad is in. After going back to their love nest, she tells him, let's get out of the city. And he says, no, we can't because I owe a lot of money to this gangster guy. And if we leave, he'll just track us down and make us pay him anyways. But he says, with your powers, we can get that money easy. Barry finds out about the prison break-in he finds some organic particulates at the scene that they take back to Star Labs and they realize can move even faster than Barry's speed for some reason. Barry is able to find the teleportation girl and her boyfriend, who Caitlin names her Peekaboo, which is a terrible name, Caitlin. Leave the naming to Cisco, man. Uh, <laughs> he kind of fights her, but she gets away with her boyfriend and they eventually realize that Whoever she touches, their cells behave in the same way as hers do and can also teleport along with hers. But they also realize that if the lights are off, the cells stop exhibiting these properties and can no longer teleport. Barry eventually catches up with the two of them after they run away from a crime scene. Kind of in between this, Barry has been talking with his dad in prison and his dad has volunteered to help them. Uh, get information on this particular mobster and he eventually gets joe information that helps him take down the mobster after which uh peekaboo and her boyfriend run away and that's when barry catches up with them but he gets beat up in prison 
and that upsets Barry greatly. Barry catches Peekaboo and her boyfriend, but they start getting away, and then he breaks all of the lights in this tunnel that they're driving through, and she can no longer teleport, and her boyfriend just abandons her. Apparently, he was just able to run away on foot without Barry being able to find him, despite him being the fastest man alive, except for the reverse flash. And then back at the prison, Barry's talking to his dad again, and his dad basically tells him, I know you're the flash. (laughs) He doesn't actually say, I know you're the flash, but he goes, you know, it's crazy there was that one time where joe was dying in prison then the flash came and saved him and then this guy stabbed me in prison next thing i know he claims that the flash broke him out of prison you wouldn't happen to know anything about that would you barry and barry's just like what no i i don't know anything about the flash and his dad's like well i would just like the flash to know that i'm really proud of him <laughs> <laughs> The other B-plot has to do back with our friend Hartley Rich Pants. Cisco has been talking to Hartley Rich Pants, and Hartley says that he knows about Firestorm and about what happened to Caitlin's fiance, Ronnie. Cisco finally agrees to take him out of prison. He keeps him in these handcuffs, and he also uses his own sonic device against him and honestly tortured Hartley a little bit, which I was I was not comfortable with, man. Cisco, don't do that. Don't steep to his level, bro. But Hartley shows Cisco basically that Martin Stein, who, if you remember, was the professor associated with that Firestorm paper, was at Star Labs at the night of the explosion, and he also disappeared. By reviewing security footage, they are able to see that Martin Stein fused together with this <laughs> particle accelerator ghost of Ronnie. <laughs> and then Hartley gets away. <laughs> Cisco really should not have taken Hartley out of the- This is why Hartley should have gone into a normal jail. <laughs> yes! Yes, it is. I empathize greatly with Cisco here because I would fall into the exact same trap where Hartley is playing him like a fiddle. Like he knows his weaknesses. He knows that if he goads him, that he'll feel like he has to prove him wrong. Would you say he's playing him like a Pied Piper? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's That's his name, isn't it? That's his name. (laughs) (laughs) Which he came up with himself, didn't he? Yes, he did. You shouldn't imprison people that you have like intense feelings in any way, shape or form about because they should be in a real jail where they can you know be viewed by impartial people well let's not kid ourselves though (laughs) like you really shouldn't be on in a case where you have any personal interest no like take the thing with barry's bully should he have been (laughs) dealing with that himself or let somebody else deal with that (laughs) (laughs) remember he also punched his head off (laughs) oh yeah i know (laughs) one of the frustrating things too is that caitlin tells Cisco to let it go. And Cisco doesn't let it go. But I do like their conversation because he tells Caitlin, I couldn't let it go because I cared about Ronnie too. And I was the one who closed the shielding door on him. And I keep telling myself, if I had been only 20 seconds later, if I had only waited 20 more seconds, would Ronnie have made it out? And I can't get that thought out of my mind. I do love that scene because Caitlin goes immediately to Cisco and she's not even angry. And she says, Cisco, have you been holding that in all that time? And just like, there's like a touchy moment and they all hug. And I'm like, oh, Caitlin is the best. so great. <laughs> I don't know what kind of doctor she is, but she's the best. <laughs> she's also a psychologist. She is, yes. You bet you didn't know that, she but is. she is. There's this like side plot in this episode where like she and Barry are trying to move on from their un- unhavable 
love. <laughs> and they like go to karaoke and she gets drunk or whatever. And I couldn't tell if the show was trying to get us to like ship the two of them together. But like, I really don't like if, no. if Caitlin were to be with anyone other than Ronnie, like, I think she should look at Cisco before she looks at Barry. Like, the sh- don't worry. The show is not shipping the two of them. I think this was a legitimate platonic friendship moment, oh, good. which I appreciate because there aren't that many platonic friendship moments in TV. And I do really love the whole thing with Barry and Caitlin when she's drunk and Barry's taking care of her. And he's like, OK, Caitlin, let's just get you to bed, sweetie. And she even wing woman's for. <laughs> him she does yes because when they're at the bar i didn't mention this barry gets the number of this woman named linda who we find out later also works iris at the newspaper she's the sports reporter yes like what a dream linda i i'm still upset that they are not the ultimate couple linda is amazing i love linda she's super cool she's super confident i love the way that she picks barry up because she kind of talks to him at the bar Barry's having trouble getting the uh, attention of the bartender because he is not an attractive woman, I guess. And Linda is able to get the bartender's attention to help Barry close his tab. And then she's talking to Barry and she's like, oh, so uh, that girl up there, was that your uh, girlfriend? She, He's like, no, we're just work friends. And she's like, oh, OK, you know, there's this cool app where you download it and it just automatically downloads your contacts to the phone of a person you touch it to. And she's like, let me show you. And she goes, boop, you have my number now. Whatever you want to do with it is your decision. I'm like, Linda, girl, you are so smooth. (laughs) I wish I could be as smooth as you. (laughs) Barry, Barry can't get over his first love. Nicole, you learn nothing from TV shows. You can't get over your first love. That's that's your life. I know. It's a good thing I didn't have a first love like that. I was a boy named Scott that I had a crush on in elementary school, and it was mutual, but then we grew out of it by fourth grade, and we both moved on with our lives. In order for it to be a first love you can't grow out of, does it have to be your first love at any point in time, or is it only your, like, grade school love? I don't know. I think there's two kinds of first love. It's either, like, you get to high school... And you fall in love with the girl, or it's like the Spider-Man love. You've been in love with this person since the moment you set your eyes right. on them. And that is the fairy <laughs> version. He's been in love with Iris since he was in elementary school. And I would just like to say that neither of those generally works out in real life. Uh, a lot of people who are together in high school, even if they get married, they get divorced. It doesn't make it magical just because you knew each other when you were young. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that it can't work. I'm just saying that for a lot of people, it doesn't. (laughs) So, science. First thing I want to say is bomb shadows. So, I didn't mention this, but Hartley takes Cisco outside to look at the outer part of Star Labs in their quest to find out what happened to Martin Stein in a firestorm. They see this bomb shadow on the side of the building where they see a shadow of a person Hartley goes yeah just like at Hiroshima and Nagasaki and I would like to say that there are bomb shadows at Hiroshima and Nagasaki basically what happens is when you have a large amount of thermal radiation it will bleach everything around it so if there is something like a person standing in front of the thing that is being bleached that person will leave a shadow however the particle accelerator did not release a bunch of thermal radiation and We already know that it was all released into the sky because there was a whole episode about how Ronnie saved people's lives because he made sure it was all vented into the sky. So I'm not sure how this happened. I'm going to guess it was the Speed Force. Yeah. I'm also going to be frank. If it left a bomb shadow, there should be so much more damage. 
and radiation I, and I everything. Totally <laughs> I, I also totally feel agree. like he should not be alive anymore. I think that city should be evacuated. <laughs> Another thing is they mentioned at the beginning of the episode that Barry is running the fastest he ever has, and I don't think that's correct because I did not hear any sonic booms, and we already know that Barry can run faster than the speed of sound. I have to bring this up because this is my job. In the interest of variable speed, Barry's speed continues to be variable. <laughs> I wonder if it was like for a specific distance. In the Sonic Boom episode, the Sonic Punch episode, Super Sonic Punch, he sprints five miles or whatever and goes 5. past the sound barrier. Yeah, 5.3 miles. But maybe he was running like a marathon and he did that in the fastest time ever. I did think it was smart that they realized, oh, we should not give a number so that we don't box ourselves in. <laughs> well, I'm really hoping that the writers hear this podcast <laughs> one day and feel shame for the number of bad numbers that they have written, but it probably won't happen. If you're listening to this and you know the writers of Flash, would you please put me in touch with them so I can teach them how to Google? <laughs> uh, or just like send this podcast to their inbox yeah uh so as we were talking a little bit before the episode hartley claims that martin stein was an expert in quantum splicing and molecular transmography neither of those is an actual thing (laughs) in fact when i googled quantum splicing i found this fantastic quora article uh what is a quantum splicer and the answer is Either a fictional device from the DC Arrowverse that has no bearing on real technology or a device for joining optical fibers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, So that is. (laughs) Big complicated words, though. That's what they were going for. (laughs) They were going with the Ant-Man and the Wasp approach, put quantum in front of everything and... (laughs) The audience will be none the wiser. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of quantum, uh, so we talked a little bit in the Ant-Man and the Wasp episode about quantum entanglement, but we didn't get into it very deeply. It came up again in this episode because Wells claims that the reason Peekaboo can transport people with her is because of quantum entanglement, and he goes, spooky, what is it, spooky... Something, oh, what's the technical term? It's literally something that Einstein said. So I can't, this isn't like a term they made up, even though it sounds made up. Spooky action at a distance. That's what it is. Spooky action at a distance. Let's talk about what quantum entanglement and spooky action at a distance is. Can I briefly say, he just says quantum entanglement and then this quote about it. And then expects that to explain her powers. And there's no connection between what he has said and her powers. What is quantum entanglement? So I'm going to post links to some videos and articles in the show notes if you want to learn more. Because it's really interesting, but I don't want to give a whole lecture on it when I'm not an expert. And there are people who have already done a really good job on YouTube. But the basic of it is quantum entanglement are when you have particles that are connected in such a way that when you measure one particle, you know something about the other particle. People have kind of wondered whether this could be used for faster than light communication. As far as we know, it can't because you're not actually communicating anything. The only thing is you're measuring one particle and because they're quantum entangled, you know something about this other particle. Now, the reason why this is spooky action at a distance is because this freaked Einstein out. 
this is something where you measure this first particle and you know something about the other particle, but it's not an inherent property of the particle. The act of measuring gives you information about this first particle that causes you to know information about the second particle, uh, but it's not inherent property. Like I said, you should just watch these videos because they will do a better job explaining it than I can. But thinking about this concept, this does not explain anything to do with teleportation whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> And for the record, as far as we understand it, teleportation is just not physically possible. It is in this world, Nicole. Regardless of whether or not you leave behind an unnamed organic particulate. <laughs> oh my goodness, an unnamed organic particulate that is photosensitive. Yes. That doesn't yes. even make sense. It's just nothing no. about that makes any sense. If you scrape off your skin cells and look at them under a microscope and then turn the lights off, your skin cell can't tell that the lights are off. I can't even. Oh, yes, it can tell. When the lights are off, you slowly die. <laughs> You're like a plant. You just kind of shrivel inside yourself without that vitamin D. The other thing that really annoys me with this is that the whole time in this episode, Peekaboo is able to teleport only to places that she can see. So she has this tiny little telescope she will carry with her. And use that to spot her next place to teleport to. It's a spyglass. It's pretty It's pretty great. And I actually think that this aspect of her power is really interesting because teleportation is obviously a very powerful power. I like having this interesting limitation on it. Unfortunately, this idea that her powers only work when the lights are on makes absolutely no sense because her limitation is she can only teleport to places that she can see. I don't see how that has to do with whether or not she can teleport physically in the dark. Well, you can still see a little bit in the dark, so yeah. Well, A, you can see still see a little bit in the dark, and B, then why would she have to use her spyglass? What does this have to do with being able to physically see where she's going to? She's like a plant, all right? <laughs> when you take her out of the sun, they just collapse, okay? There's no storage or anything. It's just that you leave the sun, bam. <laughs> I think her power makes more sense if it's like, she has to see where she's going so that she can visualize herself there. Right, and that makes sense. But that doesn't make any sense in terms of, oh, turns the lights off and then she right. can't teleport because you can remember where you just were. Right, exactly. So I think her powers make more sense than the way that the Flash stops her. Now, if they had done something like they took some of her cells in one area and some of her cells in another area and put a barrier between the two of them and they could no longer move between those areas, that would make more sense. And I would also like to say that she is able to teleport into things like an armored car with tinted windows. Honestly, there's not a lot to do with the science in this episode because what there is is so unquestionably bad that I don't know what else to say. No, you can't teleport. I mean, there is a point at which someone shoots at Barry. And I would just like to say, if you are faster than a speeding bullet, you do not try to catch the bullet. You dodge the bullet. Come on, people. You know what, Caitlin? When Barry is fighting Peekaboo and she is beating him, despite being a very petite woman, I just came to the conclusion that Barry is just straight up bad at fighting. Oh, are you kidding oh, yeah. me? That was what the whole Arrow episode was about. It was about how crappy Barry is at fighting. He's just He's just straight up bad at fighting. Like, he might be able to punch okay, but his... His fighting strategy is terrible. Oliver just needs to take him on a superhero <laughs> retreat and teach him how to actually fight people. There's also a point at which they take the organic particulate matter and they separate it out and they're able to tell that it's two people's DNA. I'm not quite sure how they're able to tell that it's two people's DNA mixed together. 
but they do. I don't think that's totally out of left field. It's just usually you can tell something is mixed DNA if you know what one of the person's DNA is and then not all of it matches. Anyway, they like somehow like get into the criminal DNA database and then are able to access all of this. That's not totally unfeasible. There are like some ways to access criminal DNA. I just don't think it's as well developed as they make it out to be. And I don't think you would necessarily as Wells, private citizen, be able to access it. But I would only counter that I'm sure that Felicity has given them access to that criminal database. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, they hack into yeah. things all the time. I mean, they hack into the satellites in the last <laughs> episode. I love in this episode, Al, after Hartley uses his implant to break out one time, he uses it in the exact <laughs> same way this episode to stop Cisco. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there like, guys, have we learned nothing from episode 11? I would just like to point back to earlier in this episode where I talked about how cochlear implants really work and how none of this makes sense. (laughs) I love how he just, he pulls it out and then you can hear this like ringing and like there's a wire that has a bunch of blood on it. I'm just like, where are you going with this, Hartley? Again, invest in a nice white noise machine or a nice app that gives you great white noise sounds, and maybe you will no longer have a desire to be a supervillain. You can't discredit him too much, right? He's the first guy to actually escape I, from, like, I their jail cell. I agree. So, I mean... I agree. Well, but the previous people they've captured are not... They don't have the same education no. level. Yeah, but one of them's like a gas. <laughs> you think he'd be able to find a way to escape. <laughs> Sorry, not, not only are, do they not have the same education level as Rich Pants, but they didn't design the literal thing that they are being imprisoned in. Yeah, I know, but like the way he escapes is by convincing Cisco to let them go. <laughs> it doesn't really have much, much to do with him understanding how it's made. I also love how in these episodes, Iris keeps being surprised that she was only hired to write about the Flash. And I'm like, yeah. Iris, you have literally no experience being a reporter. How is this surprising? Yeah. I was what I was thinking the whole episode. I was like, why else would they hire you? You literally were writing like a blog. You've done nothing else but write You're that working blog. as a barista. Like, not to disparage <laughs> baristas, but you have no work experience aside from your blog. Of course they're hiring you to write about the Flash, sweetie. I don't understand why they don't reach out to her to freelance for them and then transition into a job. My guess is they were trying to get an exclusive from her. So they wanted to make sure that if she was freelancing for them, she wasn't working for someone else at the same time. So she seems to be the only person with an in with The Flash. But I agree. My guess is that the writers wanted to make Iris cooler. So they said, we're going to force her into a reporter position, which is really what happened. Hey, folks, (laughs) my name is Iris West, and I'm here to report on The Flash. I also love how Iris wears a lot of things that I'm like, girl, that is not work appropriate. I think this all the time about Iris. It's really, really annoying that in like the first or second episode, Iris is, ah, like, why did I let you convince me to sign up for this journalism class, Barry? It's like so much work. (laughs) And then in, I think this actually happened in episode 11, not episode 12, but she's basically acts like this has been her passion her entire life. And anyone who questions her ability to do it is clearly like the worst. And I'm like, I completely understand that you could take a class and then have a passion for that subject and then really get into that and want to do that. I think if that's your, your, your thing, your MO, then maybe you should like 
acknowledge the fact that you've only been interested in this thing for like six months to a year. I believe that Iris is taking that class before the particle accelerator explosion. So I guess to be fair, it's probably been about a year and a half. But she's also taking it as like her single Englishy credit that she needs for her unnamed master's degree that we still don't know what that was in, but it wasn't in journalism. (laughs) And has she earned it? Did she graduate? Yeah, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah, so what we learned from this is that apparently Iris, with no journalism experience, no journalism degree, expected to be given a journalism job just like that. No, she expected to be taken <laughs> as a serious reporter having written nothing, and her only experience being reporting on The Flash. And when, like, really good journalists are losing their jobs because newspapers are downsizing. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I told you, it's because she has the advantage of that the writers wanted to force her into a position she has no qualifications for, but will make her cool. How many <laughs> love interests in the DC universe are reporters? That's an excellent question. And does she know Lois Lane? <laughs> <laughs> and Jimmy. And Clark. <laughs> Batman has a few too. It's true. <laughs> it is kind of a convenient job for someone who's going to love a hero to have because they are reporting on things. I think it makes more sense when this is a character that the hero has become friends with after they became the superhero because it makes sense that they would be friends with people like cops and reporters who are getting information that they might use. In the Daredevil TV show, the main character kind of gets to know some reporters, but it's because that's kind of what happens organically in the course of what is going on in the show. This is a situation where, like, Barry knows Iris. Iris now happens to be a reporter. Cool! Look, Nicole, they couldn't just do the normal thing, all right? Barry, <laughs> Iris should have just gone her master's degree and gone on in engineering. I don't know what she got on, but instead... Hey, she could have worked at Star Labs! Exactly! exactly. <laughs> I really wish that Iris was better written. Yeah, I agree. As much as we complain about the science, a lot of the characters are fairly well-written in this show. Eddie's really well-written. Joe is well-written. Caitlin is well-written. Cisco's well-written. Yeah, we have quibbles about what Caitlin's doctorate is actually in. (laughs) But they're they're interesting characters. They have interesting things to say. Even Cisco, when he interacts with Hartley, it gives a dimension to him we haven't seen before where he's a little bit insecure and he feels he has to prove himself. Iris is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, Iris comes down to the same complaint I have with most people, which is one, I still feel like they force her as a love interest for the Flash. Yeah. When it's like clearly, I agree. clearly sibling relationship. It just makes more sense. It's kind of weird when you love someone since you're a kid, to be frank. It rarely, I rarely totally happens. I agree. And B, they just have so much better chemistry that way. Should we wrap up with cool science things? Oh, you mean science shout out corner? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I I have something. So Michael, this is kind of a new thing that was suggested by one of our friends where at the end of the episode, we just have a brief, you know, like we talk about something cool in science that we learned or an article or just a brief bad science moment. And Caitlin knew this was coming this week, so she has no excuse. So I actually have two things I think I want to share. One is that I recently edited the edited the Ant-Man and the Wasp episode, 
as I was putting our show notes together, I realized that quantum tunneling is actually a real thing. I thought they straight up made up quantum tunnels for the show. There is no such thing as a weird quantum tunnel to the LSD-infused quantum realm. But quantum tunneling, if I remember correctly, is this phenomenon where basically particles can sort of phase through things. And so quantum tunneling makes a lot more sense as ghost's power as opposed to the magical quantum tunnel to the quantum realm. But you should look at our article that is posted in our show notes for the Ant-Man and the Wasp episode. It's really interesting. It's really good. The other thing that I want to bring up is there is a great article that was in the Huffington Post about the actual medicine behind obesity and its health risks and how a lot of the medical profession is not really savvy to the health risks that being overweight or obese poses, namely that a lot of medical professionals will just assume that, oh, you're obese, you're unhealthy, and that's not necessarily true, and that even though Americans are exercising more than ever, they continue to be more obese, so it's clearly a complicated problem that the medical profession is ignoring. Uh, The name of the article is Everything You Know About Obesity is Wrong. Again, you can find it in the Huffington Post. I read that one too. It was great. And I thought of two. Oh, go Caitlin. I remembered them. Good job. So one, one is that there's a big scandal in the scientific community this week because a scientific dude um, who had done a ton of research on using stem cells to heal hearts after heart attacks, it was proved that like all of his research around that was fake oh. and it was all retracted. And he was like a Harvard professor and like researcher. And it's like this big scandal in the area of like stem cell therapy and heart cardiology. Uh, I was reading it and trying to figure out if that was the research that I had been looking at when we did our episode one, when we talked about the cloning guy. And I couldn't tell because it sounded like this guy was saying that you could use stem cells after a heart attack to repair a heart, as opposed to you can use stem cells to grow a heart. But it's possible that some of that was like overlapping research. So like, just be aware, there's like a new development in that area. And it's like, huge scandal. And then my other plug is going to be if you really enjoy superheroes, but you would like your superheroes to come with a little bit more science, I really want to plug the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, specifically the version of the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl that is written by Ryan North. And it used to be um, all the art was by Erica Henderson. And now it's like some other person who's not as good. I am currently reading the standalone graphic novel. So if you like don't want to get into the whole thing, you just want to read the standalone graphic novel. It's called The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl beats up the Marvel universe and it has already referenced several like real computer programming and science things and also has commented on Pym particles and how ridiculously amazing they are and how Hank Pym is really not using them as effectively as he could be (laughs) Um, so basically I just really want to promote the actual science in this comic. <laughs> yeah, and I will say that Ryan North did actually study computer science, so he knows what he's talking about when he includes computer science stuff in the comics. I will double plug that. Um, and, and if he doesn't, people write in in the letters and credits. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is accurate. Closing notes, follow us on Twitter at TNHSWpod. You can also follow me and Caitlin individually if you feel like it. I'm sure you can figure out our Twitter handles. If you want to learn more about these episodes, you should go to thatsnotscience.com. All of our episodes are there. We have extended show notes for each of them. Not all the episodes, but a lot of them. There's some fun stuff. 
it's not just uh, science articles. And also, I write a lot of snarky things. And also, I write a lot of things making fun of Caitlin. And also, she enjoys it. So it's fine. Uh, I would also like to plug that you can now get all of the amazing theme <laughs> songs that Nicole writes on Bandcamp. There's a link on the website. You can just go listen to them in your free time like somebody ahead of me. <laughs> or you can pay a nominal fee that goes towards our hosting costs and own them forever, which I'm seriously considering doing. <laughs> but I'm kind of waiting till there's like an album number of them first. Anyway... It's kind of the best. It brings me great joy. And I think you too would also be brought much joy. Uh I yeah, if you want to own those songs, go ahead. I'm going to continue <laughs> adding to them as I record them for each episode. You promised us a song this episode. I did. I know. This is this is where the song comes in. I would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and a review on iTunes or we're finally on Stitcher, Caitlin, because I did it myself. I sent you the information. I know, but you were supposed to actually submit us. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that I knew the things to submit us. This is why the whole website <laughs> is making fun of me. <laughs> I'm the most useless co-host of all time. <laughs> so we're finally on Stitcher. So please give us a rating on iTunes or Stitcher. This helps other people find our podcast, but it also just brings me a sense of joy to know that you enjoy the show because honestly, it's a lot of work to put this together. I enjoy it, but I enjoy it even more knowing that people are actually listening to it and enjoying it. And I keep pleading for people to leave us reviews. It keeps not happening. So this morning I decided I was going to write a song about how you should review us. So in my head, this is played with the ukulele, but there is no ukulele on the GarageBand app. So we're just going with the guitar chords they had. Hey folks, this is Nicole. As you might be able to tell, I had a bit of a cold when we recorded this episode and I honestly couldn't hear the sounds for this song very well through my headphones and congestion and coming from my phone. So my singing was kind of off and I decided just to cut my original singing when we recorded it and replace it with the at least somewhat better sounding version that is also going to be posted on Bandcamp. So, here we go. We hope you liked our episode. We had fun making it for you. So if you wouldn't mind, give us a rating to make each podcast episode. It probably takes me about 10 hours. I know I'm really not hyperbolating. So if you could please give us a rating on iTunes, that would really be so great of you. like Stitcher. We'd also love it if you'd go ahead and rate and review us there. Oh, would you please go ahead and rate us on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you do. It's just that more words rhyme with iTunes. Oh, please just go now and leave us a rating on just takes a few seconds for you to type up a glowing review. Thanks for tuning in to hear us rant about that science, dear listeners. And don't forget
actually record that and put it on the band camp. My singing was a little off because I can't hear very well with my headphones on. <laughs> I am entitling that Nicole shamelessly begs for you to rate and review us. I reviewed myself on iTunes. Congratulations. I have no shame. I'm just warning you that I'm really good at coming up with songs that get stuck in your head. So listen to the band camp at your own risk. I think you grossly overestimate my ability to remember songs. Maybe that's why you keep <laughs> listening to them on repeat on Bandcamp. They're so great. <laughs> Michael, the stats on Bandcamp shot way up after Caitlin got the link. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one listen by me, and then all of a sudden I have like 12 listens. <laughs> well, good for you, Nicole, I guess. You got 12 listens from one person. <laughs> Caitlin. It's like all from Caitlin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. I think we're. I think we're good. Yeah, and uh, tune in next week to ha- hear us welcome Medikin back to the podcast to talk about a nuclear man on yeah. the flesh. Michael, thanks for coming out of your cabin uh-huh. in the woods. Yep. Thanks for coming out of the cabin to come talk to us. I'm glad that you bought another burner phone <laughs> and were able to make it to the coffee station with well, Wi-Fi. You know, this, is, <laughs> this is really the only time we get out much from my cabin, so, you know. You are our first repeat guest, yeah. and you have watched more of the Flash episodes for us it's than true. any other guest. So it's true. Thank yeah. you, Michael. You also have the beard to go yep. along with your yep. cabin hermit yep. status. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. You are great, even if you don't rate and review us on iTunes. But you're even better if you do. Michael's staring blankly into mm-hmm. the screen. I think he's getting ready to go back to his yep. cabin. Okay. <laughs> around people for too long. <laughs> it's a long drive, Nicole. Been around people. <laughs> well, I thought you just walked. Oh, no. Wait, you no, have a car? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, it's an hour-long drive. You gotta, Nicole, when you stay, go away from society. You've gotta go away from society, all right? Right. <laughs> I guess I just assume because they can track a lot of cars these days, but you probably have like a 1980s car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice car from the 80s. Not going <laughs> to tell you too much information, but it is a great car from the 80s. Just because he drives an hour away doesn't mean he then stops where his car stops. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then you've got, you got the trail that only I know, and then you finally get to my cabin. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Cops, cops are never going to find me. Michael, I have a question. Are you a vigilante? I I will not say if that had something to do with why I just... Are you a man of steel? I may have created multiple science devices and got pissed off the fact that the Flash did not appreciate how much you could do with science. And that's why I'm on this show. Michael, Michael is not a metahuman. He's a disgruntled scientist. Yes. Do you guys know how much you could help humanity with your devices? Let me show you. And so he just goes around curing cancer and like verbally harassing the Flash. Let's not kid ourselves, Nicole. With the Flash's cells, he probably could cure cancer. Probably could. Probably but you could. know what? He's just too busy running around saving people. Like a lot. Something would ball. arguably save more people than what he's doing. That's just too much. It's not heroic enough. This is a good point. And Michael's just the disgruntled scientist. Exactly. I think that should just be your your villain name, disgruntled scientist. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, my friends. Bye. Goodbye. Hey, thanks once again for listening. I just have another quick announcement. 
I am actually working on some non-podcast related music. This is a surprise even to Caitlin, so get excited. I have posted, I guess, kind of an acoustic teaser for one of the songs that I'm working on on Bandcamp. So you can also find that there, but I guess look forward to me dropping some non-science related music on Bandcamp and I would love to hear your feedback once it finally goes down at some undetermined time. But it's happening, I promise. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day and I really hope that my theory that everyone is mashed potatoes turns out to be true because I'd be really disappointed if it turns out one of you was able to be turned into a pile of goo by just, you know, the wind blowing at your resonance frequency. 